I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show. The ultimate uh, goal that I have for most of my uh, readers and adherents and followers is I want you to be intuitive about, about your meal so that there's never a thought process of like, okay, what would Mark do? Or how would Mark be yelling at me right now? Or what did I read in that last book that said, you know, I can't, I can't have this at this meal? No, you just intuitively over time adjust and adapt to whatever setting it is. When I do deadlifts, I'm out of breath. Um, I, it takes me a long time to recover to be able to do the next set. My heart's beating really fast. That's cardio. Mm-hmm. You know, that's 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 a signal that you, that your willingness to do the work. So your brain tells your legs to and your and everything to drop down and, and lift this heavy weight, and the heart's just going. All right, I guess it's time to get to work. So we got to beat faster. The heart has no say in the matter. The heart is a, it's responding to the signals produced by your your wanting to do the work and then you're doing the work with the muscles that you have. So any form of exercise is cardio. That's really the greatest. Uh, misconception about calories in, calories out is that you can't you can't just fix a shitty diet with with portion control. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You got to eat nutritious food, calorie dense food. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings hamburgers, seafood, lobster, vegetables. I make salmon in three minutes. They even have a pizza stone accessory. I want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-N-K. Everything you cook, faster, juicier. The speed is so important, so convenient. Uh, There's a drip tray on the bottom, so you let the juices drip down. I love the bison burger, the venison burgers. That's my game. And then you can add a mixture of butter, spices, whatever you want, into the tray. Pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor. Are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you, of course. It's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Mark Sisson, I've been calling you in desperation for about three decades. Remember back in the triathlon times when I was training with some of the top guys and I just couldn't match their level of, of volume. Right. And I'm like, Mark, I, I sleep so much. I'm eating right. What's going on? And I kept asking you and peppering you like, but pig wakes up the morning after a race and rides a hundred miles. And finally, like you ended the conversation thread with, Hey man, life's a bitch. <laughs> and it was the best answer ever. And I was like, yeah, man, why am I comparing to other people? Right. Why don't I just, you know, stay on my path and do what works for me and not worry about it. So yeah. it worked. And then here we are. 
years later. Yeah. yeah. Um, we've been talking a lot offline because I'm calling you up going, Mark, there's some challenges to the fundamental principles of ancestral health, like fasting, keto, time-restricted feeding, carb restriction. And uh, I've had some uh, reflections lately. I'd love to run these by you. Sure. Yeah. Have us all reflect a little bit. Okay. Um, you've explained very nicely the concept of metabolic flexibility as the the holy grail of health? Is that's that it. Yeah, it? that's it. The holy grail of health. Yeah. Uh, now, that metabolic flexibility means many things. And it might be nice to like compare and contrast with this, I say, emerging concept of eat more, move more, get fitter, right. be more active. Right. Uh, and that may, might uh, conflict at first glance with how good can you get at fasting or optimizing your caloric intake rather than going and looking to eat more? Well, I mean, um, first of all, let's go back 30 plus years to the advice uh, or the observation, life's a bitch. Um, it basically described this concept that we're all unique in some ways. Uh, yeah, our uh, basic metabolism works pretty much in alignment. You know, we all burn fat the same way. We all build muscle the same way. We all have immune systems that work the same way. It's just the degree to which we do these things, it varies. A lot of it has to do with our, our parental genetic contribution, you know, our what we inherited from our parents. Some of it has to do, a lot of it has to do with our current lifestyle and our diets mm -hmm. and our exercise patterns. So the extent to which we build muscle or burn fat or, or support an immune system, um, you know, there are a lot of variables in what I would call this complex equation. And at the end of the day, you know, the, I think the biggest um, revelation from all of the ancestral health templates that have, that have been cast about in the blogosphere and, and uh, uh, you know, in books and seminars uh, is basically the experiment of one, N equals mm -hmm. one. Like you are an experiment of one. And as long as you are able to understand the basic principles of biology and metabolism, uh, and as long as you're willing to observe what happens when you consciously make changes in your exercise patterns, then you can learn from that in a way that best, uh, best suits you to moving toward your goal. So, there, you know, there's a, an obligation to understand, to learn. Um, there's an obligation to be willing to make changes and then uh, and note the outcome of those changes, right? And then either choose to incorporate that or not into your life. So that gets us to this, um, you know, the, the latest, you know, uh, calories in, calories out, which has been, a, you know, that's been a topic of discussion for decades within the community. Um, is it as simple as if I eat fewer calories and move more, I will lose weight? Or is it is it a bit more nuanced that it's, you know, does it come down to the types of calories that I choose to consume, um, the timing of those calories, the input, um, the amount of sleep I'm getting as it relates to stress and the stress impact on the calories? And, and I've always said and will always say it's extremely nuanced. And uh, the, the idea that, I mean, we, we sort of hit upon this the other day. Um, some of our contemporaries in this space have said, um, you know, uh, They've swung the pendulum back uh, toward kind of calories in, calories out in that, you know, like, like eat more quality foods and move more. 
is, is now the mantra, like eat more protein and move more. I don't disagree with that in, in principle. Eating more protein, I would say, even when we talk about food, we should probably break it down into its component parts. Mm-hmm. Protein is like the essential element, the most essential element of what we, of what we consume. Uh, and so if we ate mostly protein and then a little bit of fat and, and varied the amount of carbohydrate we took in, everyone would be well off for doing mm-hmm. that. From there, you just have to decide how much protein am I willing to eat and how, many, uh, how much carbohydrate do I want to consume in, in pursuit of a hedonistic, gustatory experience, mm-hmm. right? Because at the end of the day, we still mm-hmm. have to live our lives. We still have to consume uh, this, these calories. We have to take in these nutrients. But we also want to enjoy the experience. Eating shouldn't be this thing that, oh, shit, I have to do because I brought my Tupperware and I've got my little skinless, boneless chicken breast and steamed rice, you know, and it's, and it's time to eat. And if I don't eat, then my, somehow my metabolism will go haywire, you know, and, I, and I'll lose all my gains with a Z. Um, so, you know, we, we're going to try, I guess, in this talk here, in this, in this piece here, to c- kind of unpack some of that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and it ultimately, ultimately, it doesn't matter because ultimately you're going to live a great life. You're going to, much of, much of your enjoyment of life is going to be up to you and the choices you make and how you experience life and your perception of what goes on and how you react to the negative things that go on about you. So this little, this diet part of it is one little area of life that I happen to have a lot of information on. And I think I can give some advice, but even that is tempered by the fact that there are so many alternatives, so many choices, so many different ways to to eat uh, and and to uh, you know build muscle, burn fat, support an immune system, have all the energy you want, not get sick, and and not get hungry. Right. Those are important checkpoints, and every time you say. Uh, metabolic efficiency, metabolic flexibility, what's the least amount of food I can eat and nail all these objectives. Um, so we definitely don't want to take that out of context. Um, but I wish should relate my recent experiment where I said, okay, I'm listening to this new information and, and processing it. I'm going to try to wake up in the morning and instead of my historic pattern of fasting or nibbling on dark chocolate until midday, and then I'd prepare my right. delicious meal and then have another meal, two meals a day. Great book I heard. Yeah. Uh, now I said, okay, I'm going to wake up and hit a huge bowl of fruit and a huge high-protein smoothie with liver chunks in there and fruit and creatine and all these performance agents. So I'm, I'm fully fueled every morning versus relying on my metabolic flexibility that I've worked so hard for to feel great and be alert and do a workout and then go sit down to my meal at midday. I can't report any amazing breakthroughs where now I'm um, setting records on the track. In fact, I'm injured, so I'm not setting any records. I don't know if that matters. However, um, one important thing to note is my body composition, my body weight is the same, even though I've been consuming significantly more total calories for this past, now it's about six months. So the question comes, where'd those calories go? Am I turning up some important dials like my thyroid, my immune function, my performance and my recovery rate, um, or does it does it matter? Do you have any observations? So I only have observations that are sort of based on my 
um, personal experience and my opinions. Uh, but basically, I would say you started this new um, experiment fully metabolically mm -hmm. flexible. So you've you've achieved metabolic flexibility, and by that we mean you've uh, spent years uh, <laughs> uh, with different practices that we've both engaged in, whether it was uh, primal to begin with, then keto, so certainly low carb, uh, high fat keto, then it was restricted eating, intermittent fasting, two meals a day. So over the years, you've developed the metabolic flexibility, which gives you the leeway mm -hmm. to now be able to consume more calories, burn, and still efficiently burn uh, the carbohydrate, the excess carbohydrate that I might suggest you're taking in, the carbs that you don't really need, mm. but it doesn't matter that you eat them. So there's a there's there's a, a differentiation right there. You don't really need those extra carbs, but the fact that you can eat them and you can burn them off selectively in you know initially in your workouts mm -hmm. doesn't doesn't negate any of your metabolic flexibility. Doesn't negate any of the work you've done. It's just telling me that you you've entered a phase of metabolic flexibility where you can get away with consuming more calories throughout the day. Now, we would ask, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing or does that have no impact at all? I don't know the answer, but I do know or I do suspect that once again, um, in, in consuming more calories than we actually need, the body and especially a body that's efficiently um, adapted to burning fat and, and, and manufacturing ketones, um, a body will be prepared to amp up the metabolism and find ways to burn off the excess calories, ergo not altering body composition by adding mm -hmm. body fat simply because you've added calories. So this, this kind of brings up a whole question about like what's, is there an optimum number of calories that you take in in a day or is it an optimum range of calories that you can take in in mm -hmm. a day and at the low end of the range, as long as you don't exceed the lower and go even lower than that, you're fine and you're and and you're adapt adapted and adept at doing what you're doing. And at the high end of that same range, and maybe that range is a thousand calories a day for you, mm -hmm. um, from lowest to highest. If you're within that range, even at the high end of the range, you're you're still uh, your body is adjusting to the intake of the extra intake of calories by the you know the thermic effect of food by revving at a slightly higher rate, by incorporating, by maybe using brown fat at a, at a, at a, um, a higher level. Like if I was really, if I was doing an experiment with you, I would want to know like, what's your temp, what's your sleep right. temperature now? Yeah. In a controlled situation, are you sleeping hotter now yeah. than, in, than you would have at the low end of that caloric range. Temperature right now, temperature yeah. throughout the day. Right. Yeah. So, so there's no, there's no wrong answer. Well, there's a lot of wrong answers. There's no right answer to this. There's, there's several right answers, right? There's no, but there's no, there's, uh, there's a lot of wrong ways to do this, but there are a lot of right ways to figure out, you know, how, how to incorporate this. And as we discussed, um, a couple of days ago, I don't even look at, um, my, my nutrition plan meal to meal <clears throat> or day to day. I look at it maybe in the, over the course of a week. Mm -hmm. Like, did I cover all the bases? Did I have enough protein? Did I have ample protein to support, um, you know, muscle growth, bone growth, um, the manufacturing and remanufacturing of all the enzyme systems? Uh, did I get enough uh, fat to offset the need to burn my own stored body fat? Did I get enough carbs 
to fill the glycogen reserves enough to do the hard glycolytic workouts that I did. So when you talk about your performance hasn't changed uh, and, you're, and you're entering a workout in the morning um, fully fueled. Or I, it's, maybe it's after the workout, but just like you said, over the course of a week's time. Right. But I mean, and, you made yeah. a point there, so fully fueled. So a lot of people say, well, you know, I, and a lot of trainers would say, make sure you have something to eat before you come to the mm -hmm. gym. You know, I want you to be fully fueled for your workout. Yeah. And, and, and like, what is, what does fully fueled mean to me? <laughs> it doesn't mean that you have something in your belly that's yeah. just hanging out there, uh, diverting blood yeah. away from your muscles yeah. to try and, or, or when you work out, diverting the digesting process, yeah. the, you know, the blood away from that. Right. The opposite. The yeah. opposite of that. Um, and if you've crafted a workout schedule that, that isn't an elite level workout schedule, but is one contemplated to maintain or build muscle mass, maintain energy, uh, and stay and, and hit that same peak of health and fitness. In other words, you're not training so much that fitness continues to go up, but health declines. Mm -hmm. um, then I would submit that your muscles are already fully, they're, right. they're already full of glycogen. And the well, fact, and whether, whether you have, yeah. You know, 500 grams of glycogen yeah. in your muscles yeah. or 425. Yeah. You still have enough to get through yeah. a hard work. What if they're half full? I still have enough. You still have enough. Maybe I'll get near empty and then go have a big meal. To which, yeah. at which, at which point some coaches would say that's the best way to train because mm. you're training in a, you know, even though you've got enough glycogen in your muscles, if you, if you drop it down to empty mm -hmm. by the end of the workout, um, that's that's that point at which your body makes the adaptation mm. to become more metabolically efficient, more metab metabolically flexible, so that the next time you do this, it'll be quote easier. Of course, yeah. uh, of course, the you know the the process of training involves not doing the same thing over and over again. Well, for a lot of people, it does, but but trying to improve right. in a stair step fashion, in a ratchet fashion. Um, in a cyclical fashion, because because you know over time, um, even elite athletes, especially elite athletes, will will go through a cycle where they're build 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 build, and then they'll stop and they'll have mm -hmm. to they'll have to drop off for a little bit just to get the repair mm -hmm. and all of the the rebuilding necessary to hit the next level of of upswing, mm -hmm. the next level of improvement. So um, so where does that leave us? I mean, you know, uh, I I agree with. When, when, our, when our contemporaries say, make sure you eat enough and mostly protein um, and make sure you move enough, I've always said that. Mm -hmm. Really, the, the question is, what's enough? What's enough? And then also, uh, the question that keeps coming up for me is like, what's possible versus what's optimal? And it opens up a whole nother like, uh, a paradigm here where um, this ancestral health movement has become so popular and it's exploded and there's all these different opinions and people might be forgetting at the very start what you said with the primal blueprint 10 laws is these laws are to be adapted into the realities of modern life including right, right. wanting to enjoy yourself and it now seems like we're um, obsessed with honoring our ancestors to the extent that we model them and all the shit that they went through mm -hmm. and I, I believe that, you know, the hunter-gatherer uh, message is that they were focused on survival. Yeah. They weren't focused on peak performance. They were not trying to break Van Niekerk's record in the 400 meters, nor, like you always mentioned, they could do their amazing endurance feat 
and kill the antelope stalking it for four hours, but they sure as heck weren't doing it the next day, right. getting up and running an easy 10 or whatever. So I want to go for optimal rather than what's possible. Right. And I know keto is possible for me and doing workouts and all that, right. but I don't think I was optimal because the stress factors were stacking up on one side of the balance scale. Yeah. My age, the workout that I wanted to do, the fact that I was deliberately restricting carbohydrates, which might have given me a performance benefit if I did go home and refuel with a big dose. So between yeah, what's you were possible doing, you were, and what's and optimal. You, right. And you were doing, uh, you know, uh, cold hormesis. Right? <laughs> right, which is which is yeah. a huge stressor, and uh, having a uh, stressful modern life where yeah. I was firing up my computer yeah. and engaging in more stress-producing, yeah, yeah. building a business, activities. And getting divorced, run, whatever. When I was doing a, keto, yeah, yeah, all this stuff, boom, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so that when I say it's a it's a complex equation, it's a very complex equation, and so it's so it's so difficult to try and identify one variable and say, if I just change this one variable, mm. everything's going to be better. Yeah. So you have to look at it in the context of an entire. Uh, you know, a life. And I would say, you know, had you not gone through a divorce, had you not been doing cold hormesis, had you been refueling after your heart, like specifically refueling after your hard glycolytic workouts with 150 grams of carbs from sweet potatoes or something mm -hmm. like that, then keto would have been, mm -hmm. would have been sustainable for the rest of your life mm -hmm. for you. Um, I, on the other hand, um, I, I'm people, you know, cause we've written a couple of books on keto and intermittent fasting and two meals a day. And um, I'm not keto. I'm keto-ish. Mm -hmm. um, but when I say I'm not keto, there are days on end. There are three, four days in a row. Well, I'll have nothing but uh, protein and fat, right? Then there'll yeah. be a day where I have um, 350 grams of carbs. Gelato and pasta <laughs> and the vacation. Yeah. 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 Um, but because I'm metabolically flexible and efficient, um, the only thing I might notice is, uh, you know, I might get bloating from mm. sugar or, or you know, some form of pasta that, that doesn't agree with me because of the wheat content, the mm -hmm. gluten content. But the actual composition of the calories and the macro profile ha has no short-term or, of course, no long-term, but no short-term effect on, well, I'm bloated and I'm, uh, I, I'm kicked out of ke keto, so my... You know, so now I'm, I'm, I'm logy because my brain doesn't, is fuzzy because I gave it a dose of carbs. And when I go back to keto, it takes a, no, I'm flexible enough that, that I've developed this skill, which is basically the ancestral skill. Mm -hmm. There's food and there isn't food. Full stop. You just have to be able to, mm -hmm. you know, to, to go with that flow. And then in the context of modern society, understand that when there's food, you don't need to overeat because even though we're wired to overeat, we're mm -hmm. wired to overeat because for two and a half million years of human evolution, they say three million now, mm -hmm. and a hundred million years of, of mammalian evolution before that, um, you know, we were wired to overeat because there was not going to be any food for a while. And so we have this amazing system that, that takes es excess food that stores we take it. in it's incredible. and stores it as fuel that we get to carry around with us, conveniently located right above the center of gravity, like like on the hips and on the thighs and on the ass and on the belly. And then it sort of works its way up. That's why this, you know, the apple shape is mm -hmm. kind of a, even the pear shape uh, that, that heavy people uh, find themselves in, those are, um, those are so um, advantageous mm -hmm. in a survival situation. If you have to walk, you know, over the next 
five days, you have to walk 100 miles to get to the next source of food. Imagine if we stored <laughs> if, if we stored our fat on our shoulders, right? We'd be top heavy. Yeah. Look, it's t- bad enough that we're on two feet. We're basically segways. Yeah. That that how do we not like how do we not fall over every step we take? Well, you know, yeah. part of it's because of the center of gravity. Uh, obviously, balance. Mm-hmm. Obviously, most of us want to go barefoot or wear minimalist footwear to stylish minimalist footwear. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so so. Um, you know, the, the ultimate, uh, goal that I have for most of my, uh, readers and adherents and followers is I want you to be intuitive about, about your meals so that there's never a thought process of like, okay, what would Mark do? Or how would Mark be yelling at me right now? Or what did I read in that last book that said, you know, I can't, I can't have this at this meal. No, you just intuitively over time, adjust and adapt to whatever setting it is. And that could be, um, you know, shopping at uh, Air One or Whole Foods on an empty stomach and buying <laughs> and buying stuff that you looks really good right now. And I'm yeah. really, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, or it could be going to a restaurant and rather than going, well, there's nothing I can eat on this menu. There's nothing I can do here um, to, um, to knowing exactly how to order on any, off of any menu the first experience you and I had of that, I don't know if you remember this, but I came up to Sacramento to give a talk, uh-huh. and we went out to a uh, Dos Coyotes there, the, yeah, the local chain of uh, Fresh Mex, Fresh yeah. Mex, yeah. And we look at the menu, and it's uh, taco, burrito, empanada, tostada, and it's uh, wheat, you know, wheat tortilla, corn tortilla. And you and I looked at each other, and we're like. I'd like a bowl of carne asada, a bowl of guacamole, and some sour cream. And it was one of the best meals we ever had. Yeah. You know? Well, they were confused for a while when you, <laughs> you asked for like a double side order of, uh, of steak. Yeah. And they didn't know what to charge. And it ended up to be like four bucks or six bucks for this giant plate of yeah, meat. Yeah, yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. You just tricked them. Yeah. 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 Um, well, you bring up those points about the constant access to food now, the un- unfettered access to indulgent foods. And it occurs to me that a lot of the success of the things that we've been talking about and the strategies that people have employed with great success, keto, fasting, all that, the benefits are essentially uh, indirect because they keep you away from unfettered access to indulgent foods or they help regulate um, your emotions and your um, uh, you know, uh, issues that you have that you've developed toward food for your whole life. So now all of a sudden, because you're fasting until noon, uh, Dr. Peter Atia mentions that this wonderful research about time-restricted feeding, and it's so awesome for lifespan, the, the only benefit is a default reduction in the number of calories you consume. It's not the magic of tightening up your window. Oh, I'm now on a six-hour window instead of an eight-hour window. I'm doing better. It's only the backdoor benefits, which is not to discount them in any way because we need that control. Mark Bell talks about just controlling your life. Everyone wants to have a sense of control. Mm -hmm. So now you have a sense of control about food because you're keto and you have your card to prove it. You always talk about the keto card. You're not going to lose your keto card if you have one dessert. Um, But if that indeed is the main benefit of these things, and I want to consider myself, I want to rise above all that and just focus on peak performance, recovery, more peak performance, better body composition, better muscle mass throughout life, then am I asking myself a different question and going back to the eat more, move more concept if I solely choose 
highly nutritious, easy to digest foods, and I'm eating more, yeah. could I could I theoretically you're talking about different ways to burn off those calories and I yeah. don't need them. But if I if I need them to qualify for the master's track meet, right, is this a reasonable strategy to just um, hit it hard? Dr. Tommy Wood told me this a few years yeah. ago. He said, um, eat as much nutritious food as you can until you gain a pound of fat and then you dial it back. Yeah. And that's what he considers optimal. But that's that's distinct from someone who's getting better and better at fasting and tightening up their window in the yeah. name of autophagy and health and all these things. No, I, I would agree with with uh, Dr. Tommy Wood. I would say that um, if you're in a uh, performance uh, mode and your goal is to uh, continue to improve, uh, then you you need to look at granularly at the meals, right? Mm-hmm. You need to look at what's the workout plan over the next seven days and how do the meals um, assist with my accomplishing the goal of the workout. So, uh, and to the, to the extent that eating the most amount of nutritious food that you can without gaining extra body fat, um, I would say that's a, that's probably a really good plan because as we said, you know, as we said for 20 years and I've said for 40, um, training for elite competition is antithetical to health. Mm -hmm. So there's a point at which you say, I want to improve my performance. Um, I'm willing to sacrifice my health, whatever that looks like, a little bit, <laughs> yeah, yeah. to get to that level. Um, and it may not be some obvious, you know, short-term thing. You might get more colds and flu because you're stressed out more. But um, there, there's the recognition that that at some point there's there's an optimum level where uh, health and fitness uh, climb the chart mm-hmm. together uh, because what's good for one is good for the other. But then as you start to add um, the, the elements that require uh, the breakdown of the body, and that's really what physical performance at its highest level looks like. Like how much, how incrementally more can I break my body down, but not too much, mm-hmm. so that with the right rest and nutrition, I build it back even stronger within the next 24, 48, 72 hour period. So it is a different, <clears throat> it's a different mindset when you're seeking peak performance. I'm coming from um, that, it's, it's, it's weird because this has sort of been a through line in my life, but you know, I was pre-med in college and um, I realized uh, in order to get into med school, you had to get all A's. It was, this is back, I don't know what it is like now, but back in my day. Hey ladies, you may have heard me talk about Gaines Wave treatment for improving male penile vascular health and sexual function, and maybe you thought, hey, what about my needs? Well, Gaines Wave has got you covered with a revolutionary new treatment protocol called Gaines Wave for Her. As with the male Gaines Wave treatment, a skilled practitioner uses a handheld device to send low-intensity shock waves into your vaginal area to stimulate a healing response, promote increased blood circulation, and the growth of new blood vessels. After a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results with Gaines Wave reporting an 80% success rate. Some benefits... You will revitalize your intimate relationships with heightened sensation and arousal and enhance pleasure and satisfaction. Don't contemplate invasive procedures or uncomfortable medical treatments. Regain confidence and reclaim your sexuality with Gaines Wave for her. 
you visit the website gainswave.com g-a-i-n-s-w-a-v-e dot com slash brad to find a practitioner in your area you complete a series of treatments and the beneficial effects will last for a long time especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health it's a tune-up for your equipment so please visit gainswave.com slash brad to find a practitioner in your area and take advantage of my special promo that you'll mention when you find your local practitioner buy six treatments and get one free med school was now it's just getting into university of california you have to have all a's yeah yeah so like a year in i'm like this sucks i i I have to i have to study like 10 hours a day (laughs) to get all a's yeah and you know seven hours a day to get a minus average but i get a b plus with three hours a day. And so I <laughs> with said- more you, free time to- Yeah, and I said, you know what? I'm not that interested in med school yeah. and I am interested in getting good grades, but I'm not interested in, in allocating that amount of my life yeah. to, in other words, the, the, um, the marginal utility of the yeah. next hour of studying dropped off dramatically. Maybe you should have been an econ major instead. I know, I know. Yeah. Um, I minored in econ. <laughs> so, so I did two to three hours of study a day and got my B plus yeah. uh, average, um, and so that's now kind of how I live my life, I love which it. which is yeah. um, I like to be in B plus fitness. So I'm not racing Ironman next year in the seventy plus age group. We category. talked about it, but we saw those times were pretty fast still. So I could I could yeah. do it on a on a bet <laughs> right with the whole on a bet if yeah. I was willing to give up. Right. A lot of my enjoyment of life yeah. over the next year. Say goodbye to grandpa. JJ's going to go train for five hours like he yeah. did in the eighties. Yeah. 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 Um, I could, I could do that, but it, it's not appealing to me. Right. So, um, so m- my own particular vision of, of, uh, health and fitness in combination, uh, and, and maximizing or optimizing each before the inflection point drops off is, you know, I, I have a I have a cross training lifestyle that is fat biking on the beach. I get to ride the bike as hard as I want. I get to keep my heart rate as high as I you know on those hard days. Mm-hmm. I can I can ramp it up. Um, I do stand up paddling, so it's a full body workout um, with relatively low heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really interesting how it's a cardio workout, and I come off and I'm like pumped and huh. you know I've been r- working hard for an hour, hour and ten, sometimes an hour and twenty, but not not more than an hour and twenty ever. So that's a full body workout. Um, I'll do sprints on the beach, but not so much that I, that I need to set a PR, but yeah. just enough to get, I mean, it's, the, the thing about sprinting is so, which is so amazing is, uh, you know, f- um, five repetitions or six repetitions of a 30 second sprint is enough to do some amazing, have some amazing mm-hmm. maintenance or even breakthrough. Now I'll mm-hmm. do, you know, I try to do eight to mm-hmm. 10. When I, when I do sprints, but it's still the workout from warm up and cool down is 35 minutes mm-hmm. and I'm done. So I could say, well, I'm pretty good at sprinting still. Maybe I should train for sprinting, but then I get injured. Yeah. So I don't want to get injured. <clears throat> um, I want to find a way to cross train so that I'm, I spend two days in the gym where I'm just doing mm-hmm. lifting stuff, which is, which you would almost call it bodybuilding stuff. Now I, I it's like, you know, full body routine kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I play some ultimate frisbee, 
uh, which is a which you know which is a game that I enjoy and to the extent that I can I can keep doing it. But my point is, I, I mix it up every day, so I don't ever do two things in a row. Like mm-hmm. if I'm lifting in the gym, I need at least seventy two hours and sometimes mm-hmm. ninety six hours between lifting sessions because I know that's what. Like if I lifted hard enough to be effective, then I should not be able to repeat that performance right. within yeah. seventy two hours. Yeah. Otherwise, I didn't do it well enough. Now, part of that's because. At my age, it just takes longer to recover. So when I was in my twenties, I could lift every other day, yeah. and, and there, you know I had enough uh, testosterone, I had enough growth hormone, I had all these things that I could that I could um, I could recover and build by lifting every every other day. So anyway, so so I would lift say on a Monday, I might ride the bike uh, on a on a Tuesday and go hard on the bike. <laughs> Um, I might paddle on a Wednesday, which is still upper body, but it's a different, it's a different form. It's instead of doing, you know, three sets of 10 or 12 reps, it's basically one set of 2000 reps of a full body exercise, right? And it's all, um, Mm -hmm. and, and so the average output per rep is, is dramatically reduced. Um, I might sprint on another day, once every 10 days, I'll do a leg day in the gym where I'm doing, um, a series of leg exercises, but it's kind of all based around. Uh, a hex bar deadlift as kind of the centerpiece of that workout. Now I'm I'm really fit, but I'm not race fit. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm fit for life. I'm fit for for movement. I'm fit for games, but I'm You're not fit to do your routine, which you enjoy. Yeah, and you I'm, just said you never go over an hour twenty. Yeah, why don't you do a three hour paddle, Mark? It has no interest. No, right. Zero, zero interest. Right. So it's it's funny back um, back in the olden days. Um, after doing Ironman, I realized that I could do anything for 24 hours. But once you cost me a night's sleep, yeah. I'm not interested, right? So I got invited to be on these adventure oh, racing yeah. teams. Cool. You know, yeah. uh, um, you know, before Mark Burnett was doing Survivor, he was doing adventure racing. Even before mm-hmm. he was, he, he actually participated in Ray Galois. And I was, you know, I was talking to him about being on this team. And I was like, I just, I can't, I'm not willing to give up Ridiculous. nine yeah. nights of sleep <laughs> in pursuit of that yeah. goal, right? Yeah. So then uh, I said I could do anything for 24 hours. And then yeah, as I've gotten older, it, the, the amount of time I'm willing yeah. to do anything has dropped down. And so, you know, I would do uh, a hike for two hours a couple of years ago, yeah. a hard hike. Uh-huh. And then that's like, no, it's just not, it doesn't feel like it's a sweet spot. So now yeah. an hour is like my sweet spot for anything yeah. I do. So if I do an hour... 10 on the bike and the sand, it's all, and it's hard. Um, that's a, that's a great day for me. Um, if I do an hour 20 of anything, including paddling, that's the most I'll ever do now. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, I, I feel like that's a sweet spot because I'm getting the good hard work done, but I'm also allowing myself, I'm not getting beat up so that it takes me four days just to recover to do anything, right? Yeah. So if you, you know, if you remember back in the, in, well, as a marathoner, it actually took longer to recover from a marathon than it did from a, a triathlon. From an Ironman. From an Ironman. Sure. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. a marathon. Because you're going fast. <laughs> you're going fast from the gun. It's painful. It's hard on the joints. I mean, we used to piss black after the end of a race. It was like, you know, you're like, you got a little rhabdo going. You got a little, it, yeah. was, it was horrible. In an Ironman, I'm not, I'm not diminishing anything because, because we didn't get to the level that I didn't get to the level that the guys are doing right now. But it was so, it was so uh, difficult, but spread out over such a long period of time that by the time you finish the marathon, 
you weren't really pounding. You were barely, you know, you were barely moving. So it wasn't like you were sprint finishing. Still uh, tough, but well, it was yeah, wicked man. tough, and it took a long time to recover. Yeah. But and 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 the vow that I'll never do this again lasted for five, four or five days, and then you, oh. then you. And Until you, the last one, yeah, right. then you say, maybe you didn't say, I'll never do yeah, it again. You yeah. just think, I'm going to improve my time next yeah, yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, that, that was start, the last one. No, you start thinking, yeah, okay, that's what I could do. But anyway, so, yeah. I don't know, I'm, I'm So, you're, you're describing all these fitness exercise activities. Um, we were talking about metabolic efficiency in terms of diet, and we mostly hear that in terms of diet. Yeah. But that also relates to all the stuff you just described. Yeah. Because metabolic efficiency has both sides, the calories that you burn and the calories that you yeah, theoretically, consume and process. Yeah, theoretically, when you're working out hard, you in my, in my book, you literally don't want to be expending a lot of calories. You want to be doing you're so whatever, good at whatever it, amount of work you're yeah. doing. Over time, you want to be able to do that same amount of work with fewer calories, right? Or with, with greater ease, I should say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, or, or with a higher uh, percentage of the, of the, of the energy coming from the combustion of fats versus mm-hmm. carbohydrates. Uh, uh, at the elite level, you can say, well, it doesn't matter where the fuel source comes from as long as I'm able to get fuel in during the race. Uh, and I was a great sugar burner as a, yeah. as a marathoner, carbo-loaded <laughs> every day, uh, managed my fuel intake. Um, so I'm not suggesting that I would have been much faster uh, as a marathoner had I trained at keto because I was still going fast enough that it was, that, that, you know, it was, I, I it was, there was a lot of impossible. Yeah. Yeah. You're running. Yeah. Now when you start, something per mile. Yeah. You, you, low fives <clears> per <throat> mile. So, so when you say somebody like, uh, Zach Bitter, he's a keto, you know, long distance ultra runner. Yeah. He's getting 97, 96, 97% of his calories from fat at 6.54 a mile or something, yeah. right? He's running 100 miles. He's running so 100 miles. it's a whole miles. different category. So it's then. a different category. Yeah. Um, and as, as the length of, like when Sammy Inkin and his wife rode, rode, rode. a boat <laughs> to, uh, from San Francisco to Hawaii. Yeah. Um, you know, they had a million and a half 43 calories. 43 days. Yeah. yeah. They, they had like almost all their, their provisions were fat. Yeah. Fat and, fat and, and uh, protein. Yeah. Yeah. Because Amazing. that they were pacing themselves to burn almost all fat doing that. Right. So we're, you're doing this with your hands, and I'm thinking health or longevity yeah. could count the same thing. Right. So it sounds like you're trying to dial in both sides of that yeah. longevity equation where you're eating appropriately as well as being efficient with your right. caloric expenditure. Right. So I think that's an important question when I'm thinking about uh, uh, eating more food and performing better and recovering faster, but also looking at that side where how much is enough. And that's this, this tightrope, which we probably don't have answers to, but I'd love to know, you know, like, are you fit enough to say that you're getting a 99% score on longevity or should you uh, once in a while throw down a three hour paddle so that you can make it to 115 yeah, instead I, of yeah, 105? I would say no to that. I would say there's no, there's <clears> no, um, You've already graduated past. Yeah, yeah. I've know. already gone past. Like you know, Mark Allen will tell you he thinks he left ten years of his life on the lava fields of, of Hawaii by going so deeply to the well. So for me to do a a hardish three hour anything again, it's it's antithetical to longevity. Um, I think there's a point at which mm. um, because going back to the Rob Wolf, Doug Doug McGuff, 
you know, notion that, that all exercise is cardio. And if cardio as a generic term for moving the heart in a beneficial way that promotes health, um, if, if what you're after is, is a healthy heart to keep pumping for as long as you can, you could argue that if you're, if you subscribe to the finite number of heartbeats theory, that you're better off <laughs> after having developed a strong heart to then, to then, uh, ramp it down a little bit rather than keeping your heart rate high all the time. Um, you want to keep it strong, but lifting weights keeps your heart strong. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we would, we would, you know that when you go to the gym and you do a heavy leg day, like when I do deadlifts, I'm out of breath. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it takes me long time to recover to be able to do the next set. Mm-hmm. My heart's beating really fast. That's cardio. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, that's a signal that, you, that your willingness to do the work. So your brain tells your legs to, and your, and everything to drop down and, and lift this heavy weight. And the heart's just going, all right, I guess it's time to get to work. So we got to beat faster. The heart has no say in the matter. The heart is, a, it's responding to the signals produced by your, your wanting to do the work and then you're doing the work with the muscles that you have. So, um, any form of exercise is cardio. Mm-hmm. And I guess most people that are, uh, you know, interested in health or wishing for better health don't move enough and eat too yeah, many so, processed foods. So exactly. as far as metabolic efficiency, you're screwed over here and over here. And then we're looking at lifelong yeah, yeah. So back to the opening gain. statement yeah. of, of, you know, you know, eat more nutritious foods, mostly protein and move more. Um, <clears throat> that advice applies to 90% of the population who eats a shitty diet and doesn't move enough to begin with. So great. I agree with all that. Now, as you get better and better and more developed and more, uh, you know, more keto adapted and, and fat adapted, maybe that advice, maybe you don't need, maybe you don't need to move more. Maybe you need to more just, you know, move, do what you're doing and, and, and maybe you don't even need to eat more because you're in that, that, that zone where you're sort of optimizing the, the, the curve of health and fitness as they go together just before the inflection point. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. It's a tough one to figure out. And obviously every time I can report an injury or even muscle soreness, I contend that I made a mistake. And I over, I went past the inflection point. Yeah. Um, same yeah, so with, you same with a minor illness. No, 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 but you play, you play on the edge. Well, I mean, that's, yeah. I, I say play on the <laughs> edge and that's back to the experimental one. Like, like, okay, I, I played on the edge. I saw where my, where the issue was. I dialed it back. I won't do that again, or I'll try not to do that again. Or if I do that again, shame on me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's the experiment. That's the playing around with it. But most people don't even play on the edge. Most people have a long way to go. They got to lose 50 pounds of body fat. They got to ditch all that food, get rid of all the, you know, the industrial seed oils, the sugary, you know, the crunchy, salty, fatty, sweet, all the stuff that, you know, they, they're using in the standard American diet. And then thinking that portion control will get me where I need to be. Mm. You know, that's that, that's, that's really the greatest uh, misconception about calories in calories out is that you can't, you can't just fix a shitty diet with, with portion control. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You got to eat nutritious food, calorie dense food. Mm-hmm. So protein is a priority. Always yeah. protein is the, is the major must have, you know, get your protein right. And again, it doesn't even have to be meal to meal. It doesn't even have to be day to day. It can be over a period of three or four days, certainly over a week. If you took in the right amount of protein, your body will adjust with its, with its, um, 
all of its uh, mechanisms for retaining amino acids. So, um, and then, you know, fat to sort of control, um, I would say, um, you know, um, energy uh, expenditures and then carbohydrates, partly to refuel glycogen, but mostly because carbs uh, are in, in many cases, the most, one of the most enjoyable parts of, of some people's diet. And I don't want you to have to restrict them just because. Uh, what about thyroid function, adrenals, uh, recovery from stress, nutritious carbohydrates? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, but you can do all that on a low carb, on a relatively low carb, low carb comparison yeah, to yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't, shitty Western diet. Yeah, yeah. You, if you if you're eating uh, if you're eating nutrient dense foods, and even if you're keto, you're not gonna you know if you're doing it right, and you're not working out you know, too hard, mm -hmm. glycolytically every other day, mm -hmm. you know, all, there's a lot of ways in which you can mess up um, a, a otherwise perfectly balanced keto program. Um, so, you know, just pay attention. But if, if, if the answer to you is, I don't want to make all those adjustments and I'd rather just ramp up my carbs, then if you're metabolically flexible, fine, it'll work. What do you see in the decades ahead with your strategy? Are you going to gracefully take that fat tire bike down to 40 minutes from an hour and um no, same I'm, with everything are you going to try to just fight yeah, that battle no of, i'm going to fight the battle i'm going to do um as much as feels comfortable for as long as it feels comfortable you right know, so so i don't right now an hour to an hour and 10 feels like a <clears throat> of a hard ride feels comfortable um, and comfortable is also defined as something i could do again in a couple of days mm. but if i do something uh, for you know, too hard, too long. Then I then I sour on it. I get I get like nah, I'm not I don't I'm not. Yeah, tell us about your summer where you um, did the hard bike ride, flew on a jet, uh, and then landed, and then went straight to the water for a long lesson, and you you, you cooked yourself. Yeah. What was that? Um, that sequence. Uh, that was recently. Yeah, you did the fat tire bike ride. Oh no no no! Is, you know you know what yeah. it was? No, I'll tell you what it was. It wasn't swimming. Uh, it was, uh, I thought it was swimming you're talking about. No, um, I did a long, hard bike ride with my, yeah. with my buddy. And by the way, this is the other thing. He's, so he's like, he's one of those half wheelers like I was. A right? half wheeler right. is defined as <laughs> someone who just will not let you get, get ahead. <laughs> always got to stay a friendly even conversation together. Yeah. He's always a half wheel ahead. Um, and so, you know, Peter and I did like an hour and 45 minutes <sighs> sand, you know, hard, hot beach ride. And then hopped on a plane, flew to Necker Island, <laughs> and that afternoon I had my first kite surfing lesson. Well, the first kite surfing lesson is basically, um, you know, controlling the kite in the water without a board and just and just they call it body dragging. So you, you you let the kite drag your body, and I'm in the water for an hour and a half without a wetsuit because it's the the Caribbean, but you know the water's still 76 or 77, and so. I got hyperthermic. Yeah, look right? at the charts. Your 98.6 body yeah, yeah. is going to get cold and my, and my, in the know, Caribbean. 9% body fat. Yeah. So I, I got cold. Well, I had, a, I, had a, I had a thing the next day. I had another lesson the next morning. Yeah. And I showed up for that. And I got up and I got a nice 20-second 20, 20 ride. And, but I got sick because it was just too much, too much stress, right? So Were you fasted on that day and that flight? Uh, you know, no, started, I ate. I ate. Yeah. I, I, I ate enough to you know fuel myself. But yeah. still, the work itself, the hard in the heat, the hard fat bike on the on the sand in the heat, and then and then flying to the island, and then and then like I say, 
first thing we do when we get there, your your lesson is at three o'clock. Yeah. So boom, hit the, there hit the water. Yeah. Anyways, I mean, it's great. It was fun, but it was also like I know better than that. But you know, when I'm out in the middle of of the channel and uh, a mile away from the pickup boat, floating <laughs> in the water, shivering, waiting for the boat to come get me. It's not like I can I say, well, I better get out now. Yeah. It's like I got another twenty minutes of this before I. Um, yeah. You know that research on uh, hypothermia. If you fall off the boat into cold water, you're yeah. going to last for this long. Yeah. And you're going to last for half as long if you're swimming. Yeah. So if you see shore and you swim for it yep. and it takes 10 minutes and then you die or you stay still in one place for 20, 20 minutes, minutes, but you have to decide like, yeah. how yeah. far is the shore. Right. Just so you know, in case you ever get in cold water. Yeah. Uh, I think we got a lot of good information good. and good. helping uh, reconcile some of these apparently disparate points of view, but I really think some of the important points he emphasized when you're talking through your weekly exercise schedule is working within your capabilities yep. and not being in this category that we both fell into for so long where we were burning too many calories, eating what would be considered too many calories in a lot of ways, especially because mm -hmm. you have to take in processed foods at that point to yep. get to 8,000 or whatever. Yep. That in fact is the performance limiter for the top high-performing, high calorie, highest calorie-burning athletes like right. the Ironman triathletes and the bodybuilders. Right. So that's a big one. And then uh, starting out way back when, you said it's important to look at this as an experiment of one and constantly try to optimize and see what works and what's individual for you. Cause right. Within the context of what we just talked about today, within the context of nutrient-dense yeah. food, uh, protein right. being yeah. the number one uh, macro that you need to really keep an eye on, um, you know, healthy fats, avoiding industrial seed oils, avoiding, you know, pies, cakes, candies, and sugars and crap like that as much as you can. Um, within that context, there's a lot of room to play around in terms of meal timing and, you know, uh, whether you, whether you're keto or, or not, whether you're, um, you know, two meals a day or four meals a day, there's, there's room for, um, for experimenting there. And there's room for chilling out about it too. Yep. When you get into that over, over obsession with all these things. Yeah. Listen to the sis and people. That's what we're talking about. Thank you. I'm pleased to present B-Rad Grass-Fed Whey Protein Isolate Superfuel, the absolute highest quality, all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the superfuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean 
and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.